0: The following podcast is a Dear Media production.
1: Welcome back to another episode of Trading Secrets. Today we are joined by entrepreneur turned reality TV and social media star. Dylan, I want you to know me saying that almost made me want to throw up, but it's the truth. Dylan Barber. Many of you know Dylan from his time on The Bachelorette and Bachelor in Paradise, where he met his now fiance, Hannah Godwin. What you may not know is that Dylan is the co-founder of a fitness company, more tech than anything, that allows people to work out while donating food to those in need. It's an unbelievable app. Today, we are going to learn what it is like to build a startup company from scratch. Here Dylan's thoughts on his experience in Bachelor Nation and where he sees it's going from here. But most importantly, what we're going to get into with Dylan is you guys most definitely probably don't know about his expertise in CPG investing. He's a brilliant investor, sophisticated, deep acumen, probably one of the most in the Bachelor franchise, and we're getting into that.
0: Dylan, thank you so much for being on Train Secrets. Thanks for having me, man. That was, uh, the first half of the intro was pretty brutal. The second half was good.
1: What, the brutal part, that was um, being on The Bachelor, your the engagement, that you're a reality star. TV star. That's a...
0: Do you think you are a reality TV star? No. Why? Uh, <laughs> yeah, it's a good question. <laughs> you were the star of paradise. One of one of many. We're all stars in our own right. <laughs> but, yeah, I don't know. I kind of like, it seems like a fever dream. Okay. Do you have a good relationship with the show? Like, when you look back on it, are you like, that was amazing, it was great, or are you just indifferent? I had a great time, like obviously, but I think my, I don't know, there was like a six month span post-show where I was a little reckless, cavalier, some with, might say. With, with like with, the chirping and with stuff? With the chirping, which I was like, thinking about that the other day, I was like, why would I do that? But, 28 now, I'm a man, so <laughs> we've matured. Why do you think you did do it? I don't Just know. to stir it up a little bit? Yeah, I, I like to... I like to stir it up. But you don't stir it up now like you used to. Yeah, I'm very tame now. Why is that? Did Hannah reel you in? I've been reeled in (laughs) by multiple people. You can't wreck that massive career of hers. Not anymore, no. I was a liability for a minute there. (laughs) I love it. All right, let's get into your career
1: pre-show. What were you doing, and what was the process like when you left to go on the show?
0: Yeah, so I went to school on the East Coast. If you go to school in the Northeast, like especially a liberal arts school, you're probably going to work in banking. So I did public finance Investment banking at Citigroup for a summer, and then left that. Graduated as, a, as an intern. As an intern. Yeah, yeah, yeah. As an intern, what do you make doing something like that? Oh, I think it was like twenty grand. Okay, for a summer.
1: And the goal with that, like anyone that's in banking or trying to get into banking consulting, the big thing is you're
0: trying to land an internship, right? Because yeah. you
1: need the job. The, for the most part, you want that offer going into your senior
0: year. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's like the that's the big thing. Like if you come into it with a job offer your senior, you can just like do whatever the, whatever you want. I didn't get the job offer, which, like, was probably de- deservedly so. I, like, would work really hard, but I never asked questions, and I think I realized that, like, that was, like, a fault. I should know, like, why I was doing something. I would just be like, yeah, just tell me what to do, and I'll do it. Mm-hmm. So that was one thing I kind of, like, took with me after that. Question but, on that.
1: Yeah. The people that did get the offer, I'm just curious. Citigroup, going to your senior year, how much were they getting offered, and were their signing bonuses?
0: Uh, It's six figures, I think, to start, and then I think around, like, Maybe like a ten to twenty grand signing bonus, but then you have to pay it back if you leave after a year or within a year. Okay, that dangling carrot's always there in big corporate. Yeah, pretty brutal. But then, yeah, so I I graduated. Banking's like pretty intense. If anybody has done it, you work till like one a.m. I feel like, and you have no social life. So I didn't want to do that. I did private wealth management, which is like the polar opposite at Morgan Stanley. So it was super tame. I would have like nothing to do come like three o'clock, and so I would. Like go home, take a nap, wake up, <laughs> study for the CFA because I was like I'm, I need to be challenged in some capacity, and then like work out for two and a half hours, and then just go to sleep and do it all over again. Wealth management in New York City, or where are we working? Uh, I worked in Palo Alto, lived in North Beach.
1: In okay, San Francisco. okay, gotcha. So San Fran, and so how old are you at this time? Twenty two. Twenty two. First job out of school. Yeah. Ultra net worth or net worth? Like, what's the size of clients you're working with?
0: It, it was. It, it would range. Like some people would have like. 10 million dollars and 20 million dollars and some people would have like a million dollars and if you didn't really have like over 500k like
1: 90,000 base plus bonus
0: how far off am I pretty far off yeah (laughs) yeah well can you imagine a job like that I think well I was in like an associates program so I was like making like 50 grand and it was like a 5 grand bonus okay and like living in the and if you can't like if you're not an advisor and you don't like get any type of like commission on anything. It's just like, I'm just like capped. Got it. So I was like, well, I'm not really doing anything. I need to learn something. So you take the series tests. Then I was like, oh, the CFA sounds hard. Like, why don't I just do that? And so I passed the first one, passed the second one. And then I quit my job, started and went on the bachelor so, so did
1: you go for your third series again? I haven't done it yet that's crazy okay
0: <laughs> so guys just to put it out there like CFA in my opinion
1: is the hardest designation by a long shot also if you hear us sipping over here we are pre-gaming the LA Rams game but that being said it's the hardest designation I think in any business category or designation that's out there you have to take three tests you can only take the sit for the test once a year yeah. right the percentage of people that fail the test, I believe, is in around 60% or so, about only 40% no, passing I rate. I think it's higher. It's higher? I think it's a higher fail rate. Okay, so yeah. fail rates, like let's call it 70%. We'll do the research. We'll bring it to the recap. But the point is, you can only take it once a year. You fail it, you have to wait a year. So to pass two for two is like extremely impressive, not well, to pump your tires
0: anymore. And I took them in six months. So the the first test you can take twice a year. So, like, uh, I think it's like December and June. So then I think I took mine in December. And then the second test is once a year. So I was like, fuck it, I'm just going to take the second one. So then I took it six months later.
1: That's really impressive. Why didn't you take it? Why didn't you finish it?
0: Because of the show? Yeah. Because then the next time, 12 months later, I was on the in Paradise. Okay. Growing up in high school, were you
1: always like ultra smart, top of your class? No. Okay. So it's just if you put your mind to it, you're there.
0: Yeah. That's that. I actually have like a very strong belief about that. Like, I, I mean, I got like a 3.0 in high school and like a 3.0 in college, like super average grades. And then when I didn't get the job after my internship, I have like a massive chip on my shoulder and I was like, oh my God, like, I'm just going to put my mind to it. Like I nearly aced the series seven, I think I got like a 97 on it. I was like, I'm just going to study super hard. And so like, that's kind of how I operate now. With stuff like, especially at a startup, like it doesn't really matter if you just do everything you can to try and figure it out, Like you can accomplish it.
1: CFA, much tougher than Series 7, but Series 7 is another one that a lot of people take and will fail their first time. So that's extremely impressive. If you fail, you get fired. At Morgan Stanley, yeah. so you have one shot. <laughs> yeah. That's a lot of pressure. It's like I performance know. anxiety when I you know. take a test. Okay, yeah. so you, you get through that. You got your CFA. You then get called on the show. How did the show find you? Who who put you in the hat to, to be on the show?
0: Yeah, so I, I ended up quitting Morgan Stanley to start Visor, and then okay. I think it was about... S- Eight, eight or nine months later, a producer reached out to me on Instagram and was like, Hey, I'm a casting producer for The Bachelor and Bachelorette. Like, we'd love to talk to you. They and just it, DM'd you. Yeah, it was Lindsay.
1: This is bullshit. I just, oh, Clayton came on too. And I told like the, the, the shit I had to go through and like this and that. We had the regionals, Hawk's in the room here. Hawk and I both went to regionals. We both <laughs> called each other. And we go, dude, you're never gonna believe this. Never are gonna believe this. And a producer called us at the same time and said, hey, we want you to go on The Bachelorette. And I'm like, get the fuck. Like we both got offered to go on. We both go to regionals. Then they do uh, like what I call nationals, but they bring top 50 to LA. And here you are just getting a DM.
0: Yeah, so I got the end, and then I said no. Uh, Why'd you say no? Well, I'd never seen the show before, and I was just like, I'm not the type of person to like be like an influencer, public or things like that. So I was like, I don't really want to get involved. And then I told my mom about it, and she she was like, Well, what's like the worst that can happen? And I was like, I mean, a lot of things could happen (laughs) and be very bad. And then I ended up responding. I was like, Hey, you know, if this is still an opportunity, I'd love to learn more. Did a FaceTime with Lindsay, went up to LA, came back, just like met with a few people and then did the hotel thing where you stay the night and then they told me like a month later. Gotcha. Now you, you'd
1: you mentioned your mom. Your mom, she's in media and entertainment to some extent, right? She's
0: an attorney? Yeah. It's like a... Okay. Uh, entertainment law so okay. clearance clearing things to like I, I'm like bad at explaining this yeah. but essentially it's like if a movie or a show or a song is like using a name or a logo or a brand like so they don't get sued
1: okay gotcha
0: yeah. gotcha and then she's gonna be mad at me if I explain that wrong but that's okay. to my knowledge that makes that makes
1: sense right so if like this show was meaningful and big which you know c- question mark it's getting there and White Claw was here like essentially there's there could be like a, a, a Some type of law issue with white cloth. Yeah,
0: it's like uh, if you're just watching like a Netflix show and someone has like a Pepsi shirt on. Okay, got it. It's like so you don't get interested. So like
1: Pepsi doesn't see you. So I'm surprised that you said no, and then your mom with her background, like knowing all the the forms of it, was like, yeah, no, it's great. Yeah, yeah,
0: I'm surprised my mom was totally fine with it. But then she was like, don't sign the contract until I read it. And I'm like, well, you're gonna have a ton of like edits, and they're not gonna make the edits. So how about I just skip that step and sign it, and then you can be mad at me afterwards. Did she look at the contract? After I signed it, and what did she say? She's not happy about it. Yeah,
1: I can imagine. <laughs> <laughs> uh, we'll, we, we'll leave it at that because I don't want any cease and desist at our door. But it's <laughs> a wild sign off.
0: Yeah, it's a doozy. It's but a doozy. But we live in California, which is like the most friendly. For contracts. For people, yeah. Yeah.
1: Like non-competes in California don't really exist. It doesn't exist. Yeah, it's like fake. Okay. All right. So you go on the show, but you're running. You're now not working for Morgan Stanley. You're done with the finance. You you start Visor. You're eight months in. That's got to be a pretty tough thing to just leave to go film a reality show.
0: Yeah. My cousin was... So I start the company with my cousin. She was definitely not happy about it, which makes sense just because it's like, yeah, I'm going to be gone for who knows how long, but... I think for me, like, I just kind of wanted to do it for personal reasons and just give it a shot and just see what happens. She kind of, like, wet, was weathering the storm while I was gone. But then I came back, and she was like, cool, like, let's get back to work. I was like, yeah, I really want to, but I've got to go to, go to paradise. paradise for a month. <laughs> <So>. Unbelievable. <laughs> <laughs> All right, let's back up a
1: second. So you start Visor. Visor's doing great now. But when you start up, how you and your cousin started together, did
0: you take a 50-50 equity? No, it's women-owned. So she, she started the company, like, 2000, uh, 2017 maybe, okay. and had the original idea, and then told me about it while I was at Morgan Stanley, and then I I was like, oh, I love that, like I love the tangibility of it, I love the wellness space, like I want to be a part of it. So then I quit and moved down, and so we split it, not fifty fifty, but okay, something close to it. Got
1: it, something close to it, understood. So then you get involved at this point, eight months in, you're not taking money, like you're not you're not getting paid. Oh out no, this, no no right? no yeah. no, we no
0: we we still don't really pay ourselves like market salaries for sure and it's been almost five years but but like yeah you you don't make any money so like the first year we didn't even know like you don't even know what you're doing like you just we were like this is the rough idea let's meet with as many people as possible tell them what we're doing get their feedback like have them poke holes in it and then let's go to the next meeting with it a little more fine-tuned and we did that for the first 12 months we didn't even have an app we just like Sam designed the screens, and we put them in a clickable prototype, and we'd be like, hey, the app's gonna be ready in two weeks, can you give us feedback? It was ready like 14 months later. But, <laughs> that sounds right. Uh, yeah, so that, so we just met with like probably three or 400 people the first year. We would just drive all over San Diego, just like asking people, doing customer interviews, and just trying to figure out like, what the hell we were doing
1: okay and your app is pretty intensive but i think the number one question i get about apps in the range is just all over the place what does it cost to get an app built like that
0: yeah it it depends so i think firms are like way too expensive so if you go to like a contracting firm we went to somebody and they said like bare minimum 150 grand which is pretty high a lot of that like you can you can cut down if you do design so like since we designed the screens and did the wireframe and was like, when you click this button, it goes to this page. Like all they had to really do is connect it. We we got a contractor to do it for like 20 grand. Oh, nice. But it was, it, I mean, it was MVP. So like we had to tear it all down eventually. Yeah, but, okay. but uh, yeah, like to get started, like you could use Figma, use Envision to do the screens and the wireframe and then find somebody to just like connect it. Okay, so it worked out obviously when you went
1: on the show because you come back, you then have some following so you could bring more attention to the app. At any point though, is your cousin, and, I, and I'm asking this because in my experience with my bosses, like the big question, are you gonna get fired? Like did your, even though your family, did your cousin at all say like, I don't know, like this could really hurt the business and did you almost think about not going because of that?
0: Yeah, no, I never thought about not going. Okay. Uh, <laughs> but, but it was like <laughs> always a chance, like, we're like, yeah, I mean, if I go on and just like hate it by the entire world, then that just like completely kills the business. I not have to disassociate myself. And like that was definitely a risk. I obviously knew that wasn't going to happen. So yeah, it ended up working out. But like the goal of going on was never really to promote the app. Like actually right when, right before I went on, we actually restricted the app to people only in San Diego. Interesting. Why? We just like, did, it wasn't like ready to be okay. seen At all, still like, still like, we're working on it. It's getting better. I mean, the 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 company itself is is not really a wellness app anymore. It's like we equate it to like Amazon for the health and wellness space, to where Amazon has multiple products, right? They've got AWS, they've got Amazon streaming, they've got their marketplace. Like, we're in a similar boat to where we've got our incentive app, we've got this like really interesting tool that we're about to launch next month that is kind of like a way for people to just try healthy brands. And then we're about to launch like a corporate wellness kind of modification of the app that is today. So like partner with insurance and companies like an employee wellness tool and things like that. So we have like multiple products Mm -hmm. and then the app is kind of like the first one that we did.
1: Okay, so the the epicenter of this app is People go work out, they log their workouts, and it's giving back to charity. But with that, you're obviously bringing users, you're bringing the brands
0: that are giving back to the charity, you're bringing charity, so with that App Center, you're then building off the blocks to do all these other things. Yeah, so it's like the, the core function of it, like we built out of behavioral economics, we part. We partnered with the number one behavioral economics kind of like professor, researcher, just like guy, he's the man. Okay. Turns out he's based in San Diego. Helped him, or we partnered with him, we helped like kind of underpin the incentive model with his research. So a daily pro-social reward of donating a meal and then a weekly long-term personal reward, which is like when you donate, you earn points and can redeem them for free products. Traditionally, it was restaurants. We've now launched groceries. Now people can get free groceries at like Walmart, Kroger, places like that. Cool,
1: okay. Obviously after the show, you've had a lot of monetary success, so has Hannah. But one of the questions I gotta ask before we move in on the timeline is, I think people hear this and say, okay, eight months, you're taking a salary that's under market value, or you're not taking much money, and people out there, like, they want to start doing something like this, but they can't afford it just because of the cost. What is your suggestion to
0: them, and were there any tips that you have that allowed you to do that? Besides raise money? (laughs) (laughs) Both are good. Yeah, I mean, it's really hard to start a business and not raise money. I think, like, cash flow positive businesses out of the gate are few and far between, so, especially like tech, like that's a super, like tech debt is a real thing where you have to just like pay a ton upfront to get the tech to the point to where it starts like flipping and becoming a cash flow positive asset. But yeah, it, it's really just like, I don't know if you listen to how I built this, but every single story is the same. They work a full-time job, they figure out something they're super passionate about. And then there's that like inflection point of, am I gonna go do this full-time and use my life savings to figure it out? Or am I just gonna stay at my job and let this idea die? So it's just like making sure you're comfortable with that. Obviously it's a lot harder to do that the older you get. So we started at 22, 23, like worst case scenario, we could have done something else, but like at no point in time over the past five years have I been like, oh, I need to start looking for another job. Like I just, I just know we're gonna figure it out, so. Gotcha,
1: okay, so we've had the founder of Netflix come on and then we've had Mark Laurie, billionaire who owns, uh, multi-billionaire who owns Minnesota Timberwolves, with A-Rod. They both have opposing of views on this. Uh, Mark Randolph, Netflix, OPM, swears by it. Don't do anything without other people's money. You have your skill set. You're doing it. You're putting your work. You're taking the risk. Go get other people's money. Mark Laurie had 364K debt left to his name, put every penny into his business, left himself nothing. And then when he fundraised, it was easy because he said, I don't have any other choice but to succeed. Ended up selling that company for hundreds of millions of dollars. What side do you take? OPM or go all in?
0: So I would say both. Uh, We went all in in the beginning to get it to the point to where you can get other people's money. Like if you start out of the gate, raise money, you're going to give up a lot more than probably you should versus if you're willing to kind of like take the chance and bet on yourself, you can keep a lot of that equity and then come the fundraise. It's like the best of both worlds. Got it. Okay, cool. But I mean, yeah, if you have if you have fucking million dollars in the bank and you can start this business and get it to ten million dollars in revenue, then yeah, you should do that. Get after it. Like. 99% 99% of the population can't do that. Understood.
1: Okay, you get off the show. You're on Hannah Brown season. Get off the show, and I remember they, they tell you to go, you, you get the opportunity to go on Paradise. I remember you called me. Lori introduced us, and you were contemplating. You were contemplating pretty good about it for a lot of reasons, at least on the call you were.
0: Was it that tough of a, of a decision or no? I think Paradise, when we went on, like the seasons before aren't like what it is today. If that makes sense. I like, agree with that. There there wasn't a drinking rule until I think our season or the one right before it. Like the people there are some people who would go on that are like not I don't know them personally, but seem like not the coolest people. So it's like, okay, is this really worth it? Am I just like I gave it a shot the first time, nothing really happened. Do I really want to like roll the dice again? To where like, okay, I went on the first show, wasn't hated, amazing, had a great time, met some awesome people. Do I really want to roll the dice again and be like, "Yeah, let's try it again"? Like, because like the risk reward, it, it's there's so much more risk than like you actually going on and finding somebody and.
1: Oh yeah, of like, course. Like yeah, if you're looking at it as a chance, business
0: decision, it's a it business. does not. It's
1: a terrible business decision to go on if you're looking for some type of return or even love. Honestly, yeah, yeah, that's for
0: sure. Okay, but you end up deciding to go. What was the what was the one driving factor? Uh, Why not? Yeah, the why not so like I decided to go on the first one because I just broke out with my girlfriend and my dad had just died so I was like fuck it like nothing's going right like let's give something a try and so then the second one I was like well I might as well just like see this whole thing through like how many people get this opportunity in life so I did it I probably wouldn't have done it If Hannah didn't go, I think that was probably, like, a big factor for me. Um, So you knew before that that you had your eyes on Hannah? Yeah, I I think everybody knows this, but, like, we went to dinner before the show. Like, me, her, Lori, Wells. Okay. And, like, I had met her, like, we were in a group, but I, like, met her there, and I was like, okay, like, if I were to go, like, this is probably the person I'd want to get to know. Got it. And then when I got there, I was like, "Yeah, this is what I want to do."
1: Okay, so I, I'm terrible with like keeping up on the the bachelor. No, so I actually didn't know that. So that's interesting. Got it. So you had that. You guys, you, you have a dinner. bachelor
0: burner account. Jason. Bachelor <laughs> burner.
1: Yeah, right here. Here we go. We're settling right now. Anybody that thinks I have a bachelor burner account, logging in right now to Instagram. We're doing this live. I have three accounts there: Ramen Noodle Trading, Ramen secrets. Noodle, you trading can secrets, Jason Tardic. No Tyler other Cameron fan one six one. He's so funny shit <laughs> alright there's the answer boom alright now so you go on the show you get off the show obviously it works out for you I don't want to know the number because it's going to get us in trouble but all I want to know is a yes or no did you negotiate with the show on compensation numbers for Barrett Paradise uh
0: no okay.
1: it, will we get in trouble if you say the number uh, I, don't, I don't know people have said it before I don't know I'm, I always err
0: on the side of caution these days I feel like it's like a thing yeah It's like people get paid a few
1: hundred bucks a day or something. Or or did you do a guarantee?
0: No, I didn't do a guarantee because like I was like. Yeah, I have, like no. i talked openly. I've talked about my book everywhere it, about what I got paid. Is, or it's like seven hundred dollars a day or something, something like that. Yeah, yeah, I think
1: everyone's changes a little bit, but yeah, it's, it was something yeah, like that. But it's I, nothing I,
0: that material. My I point think are not getting rich often. Yeah, I think it ended up being like fifteen grand for yeah. the whole
1: season. Yeah, or something like that. It's crazy. And then I have some of these Vanderpump people that come on the show, and I'm like, so I heard rumors you guys make twenty five k an episode. Just like, oh, it's way more than that. Yeah, it's ridiculous. Like, it's yeah. unbelievable. It's ridiculous. All right, so you get off the show though. It works out for you. You go right back to. Vi or When was the moment that because your first time off the of Hannah Brown season you didn't have that many followers right?
0: No, like no, rec- like no platform, no
1: platform whatsoever. So, so there, you didn't make. Did you make a penny off of no. Instagram before you went on Paradise? No. Okay, get off Paradise. You blow up. You're like the king yeah. of Paradise. He goes, yeah. <laughs> yeah.
0: <laughs> and I was when, like, you guys are on my season. You no, guys just are on my it season. Uh,
1: and then when did
0: uh, I actually w- remember the moment? So okay. this it, is really funny. I would go to. No free ads. I'm not going to say the name of the gym, but Ooh. we went to this hit class. Uh, that right <laughs> po- now it's F45. So I, I used to go to F45 all the time. And the episode was airing 5 p.m. or yeah, 8 p.m. Eastern, but it doesn't air until 8 p.m. Pacific time. So there's like a three-hour delay. And I was like, oh, I'm just going to take the like 4:45 or five o'clock class okay. at F45, and then like when I'm done, I'll go home, shower, chill, and then the episode will be on. But it's airing on the East Coast right when I start the class, so I like put my phone away, come back out after the class, I like turn my phone back on. I've got like hundred missed calls, a bunch of text messages. I'm like trending on Twitter as the banner person, <laughs> yeah. and then like I think I got like 50 or, or 100,000 followers like within the first like one or two episodes. And I was like, oh fuck, yeah, what's <laughs> happening? Yeah. <laughs> it was pretty insane. I was like, oh my god, uh, like what's happening? And then it just kept getting bigger because like the first, I mean. That had to have been one of the most watched seasons, I feel like. Uh, Hannah Browns. Uh, Han- well, Hannah Browns and, and, then, and then Paradise, Paradise right yeah.
1: after, I feel because like was one of the Hannah most. Hannah came from Colton season. Yeah, which yeah, also so those was are really two popular massive season. seasons. And Hannah had, she had a bunch of followers, though, from Colton season, Yeah, right?
0: She had like a million or something coming into the, to Paradise. I mean, that's crazy. Like it's these crazy. days, it's, like it's no way. It. Yeah. Was she making money before she went on Paradise, like with ads and yeah, stuff? Yeah, I think okay, so. Okay, gotcha. And so, yeah, it just like exploded and every single week just kept getting crazier and crazier because for the first, like, I don't know, eight, maybe like six episodes, it's just Hannah, Blake, and I. Like, that's the whole. Oh, the whole drama. The whole oh, drama. Yeah, right, and so right, it's like, right, you're right. just spotlighted for whatever, like a month long of yeah. the show and it's just like incessant. And I was like, oh my God, this is insane. And then it kind of came down and then like when the show ended, it went back up and then now gotcha. it's like okay So, and then monetizing with that after the show tell me a
1: little bit about that journey like the first opportunities things you've learned just the whole the whole breakdown of first, monetization yeah first yeah.
0: ad was with Liquid IV to do a story love that yeah shout out shout out Brandon and Hayden but it, it, it just like yeah I'm so bad at it I'm still pretty bad at it to be yeah. honest because I'm just like I feel like it's not me yeah what's not you just like doing ads and stuff. Yeah. Like, they're, they're, I, I'm, I've gotten better at doing things that I like. Okay. Like, I like partnered with. i like a few health and wellness products, like and wearables and things like that. And it's like that's actually what I do all day. So that okay. makes sense. But like, doing like an app shocker thing like isn't really. That's not gonna do it. It's not gonna here. do it for me. So, gotcha. yeah, yeah, it's super interesting. Like, you're you're. It, this was three years ago. Now there's just so much money in influencer marketing that it's crazy. It's and like I work with the brands that. Paid oh, these paid people. these people yeah, and we're I'm gonna like, get into that. And I'm like, oh my God, like there's just so much money and like one of the new products that we're launching for Visor n- next next year is like something to actually enable tracking for these things. Like when you're a food and beverage brand and you partner with an influencer that you just launched in Walmart, you have no way of tracking how many people went in and bought your product. Versus now we're about to launch something that will let you do that. Oh, so you're saying if you are promoting us you're promoting some type of
1: CPG or you're promoting some type of something. And you're saying you're not directing them directly to the
0: link. You're actually sending them to a retail store. There's no way to track it. No way to track it. Gotcha. And so impossible.
1: Then, and so then what are you doing to do that?
0: We're, we're using, like, we have a point of sale integration and we're creating kind of like, you can call them mobile offers that people can generate on their phone, walk in, scan them at checkout. And so, you know, they came exactly from this ad.
1: But you do agree, especially as an investor in some of these companies, which we'll get to, you do agree that influencer marketing in general is probably one of the most optimized ways to put a... Oh. Where are you going? Put a product in front of people for the most efficient way.
0: Uh yes, I guess. I think it's overpriced. Okay. Like I I actually like I think macro influencing is on its last legs and I think like people really want like micro hyper engaged communities. Yep. But like where mm-hmm. are you going to get a $5 CPM by like you work with an influencer you pay them ten grand they get I don't know, 100,000 views or 500,000 story views, like that's a pretty good deal. That's pretty good, yeah. Like, that's what, all that's, you care about. What's the alternative? If that's all you care about. Yeah. Versus like Instagram and Facebook, the iOS update, it's like in, like acquisition costs are like $50 and higher, which is not sustainable. Yeah, that's not sustainable. But yeah, if you're looking for impressions, I don't know that there's a cheaper way to get it. Yeah, it's just like, are there followers in India, like in your products based in the US? Like how can you how can you out? convert that Yeah. so like, like getting more detailed
1: with the analytics yeah, so. yeah. I would say that we're seeing especially CBG companies are getting so much more efficient with the way that they are doing influencer marketing and there are companies out there like I mean I'll throw a couple up like a Beam CBD right like Beam's doing well Beam's doing well they I'm are sure. some of the toughest negotiators when it comes to influencer marketing and I'm that's sure. what you're seeing you're seeing a lot of these companies do really well with how they're
0: negotiating well the, the big companies like have just an ungodly amount of money to throw at it. Yeah. Like yeah. insane. And, and like the, You
1: were talking like Fortune 500s. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. The big yeah. company is like. And it's much cheaper than a five. I just like up yesterday, an ad or something. 6.5 million for a 30 second commercial for Super Bowl. Yes. Yeah. Super Bowl coming up. Yeah. So it, why? Yeah. But like if you're saying 100 million people are going to watch that and then someone who's going to put up a million. Dollars, a million impressions on a post. Who's gonna take it for 25, 35 grand? Yeah. It's a no-brain.
0: You'll take it all day. All day. And what I think a lot of brands will start doing next year is just paying people for content and less about their following and audience and just saying like, you're a good content creator. It's actually super time consuming for me to go film and take photos and all this stuff. 100 So like, I'll buy this content and I'll pay you an extra 15 grand for me to have 12 months usage and just boost it all over social media. Well,
1: I've talked to some CMOs and what they're doing is the other thing too at social media for anyone out there doesn't know is you'll you'll get that the deal right 50k for a post it's a one-off but then you do one you're done and you'll never see him again they i hear what they're trying to do is a lot of influencers are trying to sustain like like what can i make this year so companies will say we'll put you on a retainer like three five k a month you uh-huh. don't post it don't touch it just create
0: the content for our page yeah and then they have their entire social we, media outsourced we paid a girl a thousand dollars a month to post on tiktok for us interesting it, it's it's such a good deal like for a brand to pay somebody, call it five grand a month, and they give you twenty pieces of content that you can like white label and boost and all this stuff. It's so worth it. Got it. Unbelievable. Okay, with you influencing social media in general, have you made a pretty good amount of money doing it, or are you just like, I'm done with this? I mean, yeah, the, the, it's it's pretty awesome. Like sometimes I'm like, oh my god, I can't believe I like get to do this. So I definitely feel very lucky. But I just take essentially every dollar and invest it in and like food and beverage, like high-risk CPG brand.
1: <laughs> okay, so the money that comes in from influencing, you take every dollar, put into high-risk Pretty much, CPG. yeah. Okay, I just let, let it ride. Let's talk about that. Time's <laughs> taken, you take the money in, Liquid IV, I'm making this up, and let's say. But they, let's say they pay you eight grand for a story. they pay you eight grand, you got eight K, you go put it into investment. What type of criteria are you looking for when you invest into a small company?
0: Yeah, so I usually do like 10 to 50 grand, somewhere in there. It depends on the terms of the deal. like. I, I want to get at least a tenth of a percent, like at a bare minimum. I've done a few where I didn't do that. Like I kind of want to stick to my, like moving forward, I kind of want to stick to that kind of like thought process. But yeah, I, I look for the brand, like is this a cool brand, is this something people would want to post about just organically and, and see. It's got to be in the better for you space. So, some type of like healthier products in it. Would you say dough cookie dough is in the better for you space? I would say dough (laughs) is in the better for you space. They are using better alternatives than any other cookie dough company out there. And like, I'm of the belief it's impossible to take somebody who's eating lays chips and turn them like vegan and working out like 20 times a week. But small steps. Versus if you break it up into small steps, like it's scientifically proven to work to make people healthier. So, I'm a fan of healthier alternatives. It's the same reason why I'm a big fan of like Ollie Pop and Poppy over Pepsi and Coke. So yeah, I I look for the brand, better view space, the founder, really that's all you're betting on when you're doing like pre-seed to series A. Is like, is this person gonna figure it out? And then like, I'm starting to add like retail doors. Are you in a thousand doors? Like, okay, are you like over a million in revenue? Like things like that or kind of what I'm starting to like include in my process, but I don't lead deals usually follow on on when you've got terms set by a VC or high worth individual or something like that. Love it. Okay, Doe,
1: I also want to put out there, huge fan of it. Sabina, the founder, got to meet with her a few times from an introduction from Dylan. She's un- unbelievable. So I was just poking fun at Dylan. Doe is an incredible uh, company, check it out. Can I give people the website here that yeah. I'm looking at? Okay. Yeah, yeah, totally. If you're curious, the, the companies that, uh, in the thesis, I mean, some of the stuff about Dylan that just blew me away is, just the due diligence, the thought process, the business acumen behind his decision making. He has a site called Barber B A R B O U R dot VC. It shows his portfolio, Thesis Media, and every one, every company that he's invested in. So I'm just looking right now, right? You got Ranch Rider, you got Babe, you got Bo- Bomani, Bomani, Bomani. You got Moku Jerky, Doe Mezcla. You have Chubby. You have. I mean, there's a ton. Dream Pops. Uh, honeycomb. There's a ton of them in yeah. here, right? So, I've done
0: 15.
1: I think I've done like 10 in the past year. So you're at least, if it's 10K, 15, you're at least 1.5 in on this stuff.
0: Uh, if it's 10 to, 50, 10 to 50K, I think I'm around like 500,000. Five hundred thousand. Okay. Somebody check me on my math.
1: Oh no, no, you're right. Okay, this is my fifth interview today. That was way off. Yeah, yeah. I, was yeah. Thinking 100K. I, I think I think it's okay, around, okay. So around five hundred thousand. When you're so you have made a comment that you're not in, you're not investing into these companies like someone that's a high net worth investor. What are you doing different? Like in in you're, what sense? You're negotiating tactics, how to get in, how to not be part of a
0: syndicate. Yeah, how yeah. To yeah. Get extra I, equity. I I pretty much refuse to be part of a syndicate because they generally have fees and a carry, and I just think that's like like for me in my position I work with these people I will not agree to that if like somebody has zero connection to the space maybe it makes sense to do a syndicate moving forward I think I am like super founder friendly because I'm a founder myself I think like maybe if I assuming some percentage of these exit and I have cash to reinvest again like I would probably be more like like harder negotiator in terms of like I can add a lot of value so maybe doing some sort of like equity preference of putting in you know call it a 1 to 1 15 grand and getting an extra 15 grand and like advisory shares or something like that just because like I have a platform I can introduce to retailers just like as another founder connections in the space and I just feel like I'm just so founder friendly that I'm like hey listen like I just want to be along with the ride and support and if you can help me out in my journey too then we can both win, so. I love it. That's probably what I would do next time. Very cool. Have you,
1: with your financial acumen and, and business acumen, I look at myself in the way I've kind of, Caitlin has taught me so much, but I'm able to help and advise a lot on this stuff, and uh, people will come to her with deals all the time, and we'll take the calls together. Have you been able to
0: help Hannah with this stuff, and she, has she gotten involved with some st- seed investing? Hannah's in a few. Uh, yeah, I think she's in Ranch Rider, Bomani, and Moku, uh, and Dono. So shout out Doe again. Yeah, Hannah Hannah wants, she's like super smart. She's like, I don't want to over, like I've probably over invested into CPG, but that's just like what I do all day. So I feel like I have a good idea on who may do well and who sure. may not. But she like does influencing. She's launching her own personal company. She like has invested in seed brands. She wants to start like buying some rental properties and Airbnb, so she's like really smart about diversifying and like very proud of her for doing that. Me on the other hand, I'm like, Fuck it, let's go all in. Like, give me your your high-risk plant-based smoothie. I'll take it all day. I love it. I do have an uh, uh, Airbnb
1: potential opportunity in Nashville. We should talk about it. Maybe theme it all bachelorette, but we'll get to that. Let's go. All right, good stuff. If someone is out there investing, and this is too complicated to them. They're like, seed investing, all the stuff you're saying is too much, and also guys, stay tuned to the recap you guys know the curious canadian he is going to be confused by a lot of the jargon that dylan has put out there he is the man and he will ask me definitions we'll talk through those so stay tuned if you are feeling a little confused someone that is a little bit of a more novice investor they are sitting on cash in this crazy environment right inflation's up the ass don't know where to go the market's turning left and right what type of investment advice would you give to someone
0: if i had money right now i'd be buying real estate So I think rates have come down. There was a period of time there there where investment rates were lower than personal rates. Like if you were to go buy a a personal house and get a personal mortgage, like your rate could be like seven or 8% and the investment rate was six, which I thought was insane. So that's probably what I would be doing right now. I wouldn't invest in, I I, like, yeah, again, I'm not an investment advisor. I think you like legally have to say that. Yeah, 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 yeah. uh, I don't know. I, I really like real estate. That's probably the next thing I would do. Stay away from crypto. <laughs> <laughs> okay, good, good uh, advice. Yeah, stay away from crypto. But yeah, I mean, if you're interested in like investing in in consumer brands, like if we're gonna go into a recession, alcohol brands usually do well in a recession. Mm-hmm. So. You can look up like on any WeFunder, AngelList, like any of those websites, and you can invest like as little as 500 bucks. Love it. Uh, so that's good advice. I, I also like being involved in the alcohol
1: space. I think because, uh, like you said, it's a great hedge against uh, just the mayhem that's happening. It's definitely not cyclical. STZ is my favorite. Rochester, New York, Constellation Brands. Check them out. Again, not investment advice. Ranch Rider. Ranch Rider. <laughs> <laughs> hey, one day Constellation might buy Ranch Ride.
0: They might. That'd be cool. Consolation I, if you're listening. You
1: totally should. And I have a funny ranch rider story. I'm sitting at the uh Caitlin and I are on the sidelines of the Green Bay Packers game, and all of a sudden, uh a kid comes next to us. His girlfriend, I think at the time, I don't know if they're engaged or married, uh, was like, Oh, fan of the bachelor, what are you doing here? You're a Bills fan. And I'm like, uh, you know, Caitlin and I are like, no, no, we're we're just supporting, we have a good friend, whatever. The boyfriend comes in and goes, oh, you're from The Bachelor? Like, I do deals with uh, Dylan and Hannah." I'm like, what? You do deals with them? So all of a sudden, he starts telling me about Ranch Rider. So you invested with him. Yeah, Brian. Okay. Now, yeah. bro- the other thing I didn't know, is just thought there were two random people. All of a sudden, the president of Green Bay Packers, the chief of officer, the head of the head, comes in and like hugs him. And I'm like, how'd you know him? He's like, oh, it's my dad. What? Yeah. His dad is the president of Green Bay Packers. I have to How call. did you not put that together? I have to call this. Yeah, that's what we call. were on the we were on the field.
0: Well so that's why he said it. I told him I was like, Yeah, I'm going to the game on the nineteenth. He was like, Oh, well, do you want field passes? Yeah, dude, his like, tax. How like, the fuck do you get field passes? <laughs> okay. Unbelievable. All right. I'm gonna I'm gonna give a call. Little to him. do you know. You wow. are he investing. Should get, he should get Aaron Rodgers fund to invest. There you go. Rx three.
1: R X three fund. We've talked about that when Kelly Flanagan came on. Holy smokes. All right, I want to quickly we gotta wrap up here soon. Visor. I did see in red that in the early years of Visor you entered and won a startup competition and split a million dollar prize. Is that a fact? That's a fact. We should have won the full
0: million but we tied what was this what was this competition Uh, it's the Alliance healthcare to a great a great foundation Uh, they actually ended up investing into visor themselves which was great I think it was like right when I got back from paradise a week later we were pitching in the final pitch competition so that was a pretty wild experience but basically it's for companies that were forwarding the health kind of improvements in San Diego And so we won because we were using behavioral science to like kind of underpin our incentive app to make people work out more and introduce them to healthy brands. That's cool,
1: 500K, what'd you guys do with it? How'd you spend it?
0: (sighs) Got a table, Uh, no, I'm just (laughs) kidding. Literally a conference room. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, no, we, um, yeah, I mean, we started to pay ourselves, I think we paid ourselves like 30 grand a year or something like that. Hired our COO, hired a few more people, and it's just really like operating capital at that stage.
1: That's pretty cool. Where does the company stand today? How are things going? Raising capital? How has the growth
0: been? Yeah, it's pretty awesome. I mean, we're we're up to fourteen people, and wow. over and over five years, we've only raised a million and a half dollars. So we're that's impressive. Super lean. Try to run the company off revenue. It's going really well. I mean, I th- I think twenty twenty three is going to be an exciting year for us. I think we grew revenue a little over two hundred percent from last year. In another recession, like it's so brutal. Twenty twenty. COVID shuts everything down. 2021, still kind of like, this year, shit starts to pick up again. June, everything shits the bed again. And then everyone's like super scared for 2023. So, But yeah, I mean, I I think we're in a good spot. We, We don't really need to add that many more people to the team. We don't really need to like increase our burn a crazy amount. So it's just like, all right, the product's ready. Let's start getting some brands involved. Let's start making people healthier.
1: There you go. The burn. That's another one. We'll talk about that. There's a lot of jargon here. We're going to talk about in the recap. Stay tuned. I got the last. And we'll we'll show you how to get the visor app. Last question I got for you. I don't want dates as a guy. You always ask me. I could care less. But as a finance guy, I need to know. When you look at all this wedding stuff, right? <laughs> right. When you, even I don't even know. If you, I don't care. Yeah, if you talk to a planner, yeah, or give in the a process, shit. So we're right Whatever. Now, we're Whatever. Okay. So you're in the process, almost done. So you're yeah. there. But. Talk to me about just your
0: take on the cost of anything wedding and how you're managing it as ridiculous. numbers and finance guy. Yeah, it's ridiculous. It's nauseating. Yeah, it's overpriced. I, I was saying we should just tell people we're having an event and not tell them it's a wedding, and we'll probably get half off.
1: So, Sean Johnson. okay, Yeah, uh, Andrew yeah, Right, right? You know, Sean, She told me what they did is that, because she has a charity, she just told vendors when they met with them, it's for a charity event. Yeah. And she said the same exact product, the same exact things were coming in at one-fifth of the cost. Yep just ridiculous.
0: Yeah, it's we're 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 trying to get like we so we know somebody who makes champagne. So, I think we'll be able to get champagne. We know somebody who makes tequila. So, I think we'll be able to get tequila. I've talked to a few beer brands. Think we'll be able to get some beer. Great. Don't have to pay for that. There's a lot of things you can get. There's you're a lot. You're probably a few,
1: gonna get it, but there's still there's a few things we can get, but it's there's still a lot be, of things you can't like, get though. Yeah, like, I, mean, uh, I mean, maybe you have a flower connection, but usually flowers no flower top, connection, connection. And if
0: you do it abroad, it's different. If you do it in the U.S., it's different. So we're like managing that right now.
1: All right, what does one person not know about Dylan and Hannah when it comes to business or career that might be interesting behind the scenes? Other than you're a gamer, we know you're a gamer. you yeah. not. Are you gonna take that professionally? I wanted to
0: stream for a minute there. You did? Yeah, for a minute. I was like I should stream. I'm very funny. Have you? <laughs> I'm very self-proclaimed. Self-proclaimed. No, I um I did it for a little bit just for fun during COVID. I thought it was super interesting. I kind of wish I it, it's just a time commitment and like a lot of the things I don't do because I have like a full-time job, which I think is probably the number one misconception is that people think I just like sit on my ass all day on social yeah. media. <laughs> That's fair. Uh so yeah, I, I would say that the thing that people don't know about us is like Kind of are. And like, I would say the investment side is like something that let, not a lot of people know. And I'm super proud of it. I mean, I haven't, I suffered from imposter syndrome, as I'm sure a lot of founders do. So just like trying to figure out it, it, is what I'm doing right? Am I right? Am I smart enough? Am I good enough? Like that kind of thing nonstop. So yeah, just like I, I would say that the business side, Hannah launching her own company, like us trying to be like sustainable businesses outside of just, Doing sugar bear hair ads on Instagram. Yeah, I think that's well no said. No offense to them, by the way. No, they're, yeah, they've done very well for themselves.
1: Yes. The last thing I want to say, because you, you led to a misconception about how people do think you don't work and you and Hannah work your ass off. Can you give people a little context? Like how, how many hours are you putting in? How many hours is Hannah putting in? I Just mean,
0: from perspective. I, I mean, we started at 6 a.m. today. So it's four o'clock now. I mean, I, we're going to be going until like 10 o'clock tonight like Hannah's day starts a little later than mine, but hers goes late into the night. Cause it's like setting up a content strategy, shooting content at night, planning what the week looks out, setting up photo shoots, like things like that. I mean, yeah, it's a, it's a full-time job. Like I, I, th- there are some people who can get by on influencing working like two hours a day. Mm-hmm. Totally. Very doable. Yeah, I like, could do that all day and you make a couple hundred thousand dollars a year. It's a great job. Versus like if, if you rely on that and six months from now it's gone, you're fucked. Yeah. Totally. So, I love it. All right.
1: One trading secret, Dylan Barber, something that people can't learn in a textbook or in a classroom or from anywhere, anyone else out there, what would Dylan Barber's life, money management,
0: financial management could be anything. What's your trading secret you could leave us with? My trading secret, which isn't really a secret. It's like, it doesn't matter where you went to school. It doesn't matter what your grades were. If you can just like spend the time actually learning something and doing it regardless of like how shitty or how dumb you feel in the beginning, I guarantee you, like in the near future, you will be exponentially better than what you were before. And then a lot of people before you who've tried to do it.
1: I love that advice, especially in 2022. There's so many places you can go to get information. You don't have to sign up for the classroom session. You don't have to be at the university. You can be a student of your own. And like you kind of had said, I wasn't the the 4.0 student. I just really focused on this and had the best outcome. Yeah. I love it. Yeah. Awesome. Dylan, where can people find you and specifically Visor app? If you haven't downloaded the Visor app, where can people download
0: it? It's on iOS and uh, Google Play. Just type in Visor. It should be the first thing that comes up. And for me, just Dylan Barber on Instagram and the real DB Coop on Ticked off in Twitter. The <laughs> real DP cool. You haven't changed that. No, keep starting a lot of of that. You Yeah, like that. yeah. And I'm Twitter blue, baby. Right, Nobody's Twitter. taking my blue check. Twitter.
1: <laughs> <laughs> oh, Twitter blue, Dylan Barber. Unbelievable. Guys, stay tuned. We're going to download the Visor app. David's going to do it. I'm going to do it. We are going to re- do a full review. So you, I'm forcing you to listen to this, even though you don't want to. Please. Uh, very impressive, Dylan. Everything you've done through the show, outside the show, all the investing stuff. It's been a pleasure getting to know you. And congratulations on everything. It's truly, it's truly awesome. Thanks, man. Thanks for having me. Thanks for being on this episode of Trading Secrets. Ding, ding, ding! We are closing in the bell to the Dylan Barber episode. What a gem of a man. Bachelor at Hannah Brown season. Bachelor in Paradise. Entrepreneur. Won some money. Clearly a smart guy. And he won the jackpot. He is now engaged and on his way to marriage with the lovely Hannah G. So he's got all things going Really enjoyed, Dylan. But of course, that's why we bring on the Curious Canadian.
2: What are you thinking? What do you got? What questions are top of mind? David Arwin, welcome to the recap. Thank you, Jason Tardick, for having me today on what is our, I think, 90th episode. Um, Congratulations to us. Uh, I'm going to say this. I think this episode was the trifecta episode. And what I mean by that is you could have three different groups of Trading Secrets listeners that listen to this. You could have people who tuned in because they're Bachelor fans and you got a Bachelor alumni on the show. You could have people who are new to the podcast who probably heard some things and are really inspired and some things that completely went over their head. And they're going to have some loyal listeners who are like, you know what? I'm starting to see hear some familiar things. I'm starting to get a feel of what's going on. I'm really starting to see some things, maybe some tips, some tricks that I'm applying in my life or that I've thought about that Dylan touched on. So I think it was kind of that uh, triple threat. Triple Threat action from Dylan today. The Triple Threat. We love a good Triple Threat. I love a good Triple Threat. That's a beautiful thing. It is. And before we get... I know we're business. I know we're we're finance. But anytime there's the pop culture aspect to an episode, I got to... You know, my curiosities, they peak up a little bit. The hair's on the back of the neck, you know. (laughs) He alludes to something. I got to bring it up. So I got a couple little questions and statements about his time on The Bachelor in Paradise. We'll get through this really quick. Number one, I... Nice little trading secret he didn't even know. I didn't know that he was kind of getting set up by Lori Kay before going for dinner with Hannah before the show even aired.
1: Yeah, I, th- I think that leaked like around that time um, that I think she was she was repping everyone. And I I think, I don't know if Blake was at that table or not, but she got a group of, of, of batch people together, and that's when they met. Yeah, well, that's, that's a fact.
2: Fact or fiction, that's a fact. You heard it. I think we didn't hear it because Blake was too get busy getting listen, buried on. Because-
1: I mean, I know you're the curious Canadian and we're talking business and money and stuff, but I know you get very curious about pop culture. I respect that. Uh, you know, listen, there's a lot of things. There's a lot of people talking before paradise, right? I yes. mean, that's just the reality of the situation. People uh, start to network, if mm-hmm. you will, and they understand, uh, you know, some of the opportunity that comes with the show and if it works out, but, you know, let's be honest, you know, nine out of 10 people that end up on that island, it does not work out in their favor. And I'm not talking about like, I'm not talking about like, oh, you know, they'll get a relationship breakup. I'm saying like nine out of 10 people don't end up in a relationship off that paradise
2: show. Now you were fourth in inches from going on the show. Football reference means you're really, really close. Um, How, do you know how early people find out the cast? Like when they get casted or do they actually not know?
1: Well, technically you're not supposed to know, right? Right unless you're just chit-chatting before. Okay. So you're only going to find out through you know, either like an agent or, you know, you guys are like talking DMs and stuff like that. And you'd be surprised how quickly the gossip gets around. So I think in general, uh, a lot of people have an idea of who's going down to the beach before. And agents, right? Like, okay, I run a talent management company. They're going to try and talk to the clients they rep. They're going to say, hey, who do you know? Who should we be looking out for? Mm -hmm. You know, who's going to crush it out there? I'll go talk to my agencies and start pitching these people. So you got a lot of people that are curious because of love connection and then there's a lot of people curious because of it brings it back to this podcast opportunity
2: do you think that they submit a list of people who they want to see at the beach because you always hear like on the show like oh well you know so and so is one of the people i was hoping to see down there do, they, do you think they actually get to submit a list of like who would be your top three love interests I mean, listen, the, you think about the strategy, the intra, the people that
1: they pick have to be good TV. The people that they pick have to have good engagement. The people that they pick have to um, do things for ratings and move the needle. I do remember when I was deciding, I was like thinking about, do I go this year or the following year at the time when I was single? We're talking 2018 people. And I do remember that I was told your, if you look at like, oh my God, bring it back trading secrets. You look at like your stock value. Your stock value for paradise, just like that little world, is at the highest point right after your season. Yeah, And then the next year, they might bring you but your stock value is not as high because your relevancy in the ratings and you're not coming off the show and all those things I just alluded to isn't as high. So every year you wait, I think is every year your stock value goes down and every year that when you talk about who are they gonna select, uh, your propensity of getting selected is probably less. And after many years removed, I would say unless you're an outlier, the reason that you're on there is because someone who
2: is right off the show has made a request for you because of a potential interest. And that rounds out your bachelor curiosities with David Ardwin and Jason. And these are all opinions, people. I don't need any more lawsuits. These are just (laughs) opinions based on what I know. I never went down to that
1: island. So, you know, take it for what it means.
2: Well, I love the fact that he wasn't shy about saying, I am not a reality TV star. I don't think he has anything that he wants to do with being known as a reality TV star. This guy and you share a little bit of similarities in the corporate banking world uh, when he fresh got out of college, but he's he's a stone cold entrepreneur he kept saying Visor and I thought he was saying Pfizer at the start. Um, until I did some <laughs> research on on Visor. I want to ask you a question though when it comes to an entrepreneur or it comes to starting something out of a passion project that he brought up. And he referenced the podcast How I Built This. And he basically okay. said, you know, everyone on How I Built This, which is a podcast that's, you know, basically goes into the detail of how people started their now super successful multi-million or billion dollar companies. Says everyone on how I built this had a nine to five job, and then with a passion idea, they eventually had to put their life savings into it and go into it full time, or else that idea goes to die. Now he said that matter of factly, like that's the only way. And I know we probably have a lot of people listening to this podcast who find themselves in that nine to five with a passion idea that they want to take somewhere. I want to know: Do you fully agree with them? Is it matter of fact? Do you have to do that, or what can you what kind of light can you shed on just that whole? Uh, you know, topic that you guys talked about and the way he said that. I was really curious about that.
1: Okay. Well, let me, I think you made a really good point. It's really interesting for people listening back home to the whole idea of the matter of fact type statements. So I think in general, when you hear Dylan speak, he speaks with a lot of confidence and there's probably a lot of things he said in this podcast that were very, this is how it is. And well, I've seen a lot of common denominators between most entrepreneurs and startups, and especially guys with finance backgrounds, um, and especially especially venture capital guys who invest, like the, he checks all his boxes. It's very matter-of-fact speaking. It's funny when I go to a lunch and there's like a PE guy and a venture capital guy and investment banker and an entrepreneur, everyone's talking 100 million miles an hour and this is how you're talking to the PE show and the And it's like a matter-of-fact, it's very stone cold. It's like you're saying things with such confidence and such stern uh, amount because that's what you have to do to make it. That's what you have to do to gain traction of investors. That's in the DNA. You can't help that. I mean, yes, 100%. You can prove and show cases in which there were situations where someone was working full-time and on the part-time, they got it going and they worked it and they hustled it. They got some investors. They didn't put their life savings in. They grew the company to a position where cash flowed. They exited the company and made millions and millions of dollars. I guarantee you there are examples of that. I think what his point was is that your probability And success, your likelihood of success, if you want to be a legit entrepreneur, build a business, get the right investors, get it to a level where it can exit, and exit at the point that's going to make you rich, the likelihood of success is much more probable if you do that. And I would stand by that statement, if you go all in. And we heard it. We had someone on, Mark Lorre, multi-billionaire. What did he do? Just that, right? Put every penny you had, went all in. And most of the people that we do have that. So I'd say the uh the like one standard, two standard deviations, the majority of people, that is the key ingredient.
2: Interesting. No, it's true. We almost like he said in the episode, like I'm not a financial advisor. Like we have to say we're not life coaches. So uh if you do end up quitting your job and pursuing something it doesn't work out, don't come after us. Um but you got your hand up there, Jay? What do you got?
1: The only thing I'll add to that is it really is dependent on the industry, right? Like, if you're in a cash flow business where you're doing a service on the side, and as a result, you know, you're freelancing website design, you'll make cash. No, you don't have to invest all your savings. But what he's a hardcore entrepreneurship where you are investing in big growth opportunities. You're gonna have to put some skin in the game. You're gonna have to raise money. You're gonna have to go all in. So it does depend the type of business and uh, and really just the inner workings of how that company makes money and how much co- how much money that company
2: needs to get to the level it needs to get to. Then that makes perfect sense and kind of transitioning from Pfizer to kind of what everyone can do which is personal investing. Sounds like he's pretty heavy into investing uh, into CPG. 10 to 50,000 is kind of his sweet spot. Kind of funny David, to see how the what's that? I got to ask you a question. Yeah, what you uh, got? 10 to 50k yeah. as his sweet spot.
1: He's investing in CPG. You I don't think you even realized it. You just said that. Yeah. Like you're an investor. Like the curious Canadian is no longer curious. So yeah. let me ask you mm-hmm. what, and you didn't ask me, what
2: does CPG mean? Uh, so I think I know what it means. I didn't think you were going to put me on the spot. I think from listening to the episode, it kind of made me feel more confident. Is it consumer packaged goods?
1: Yeah, Like oh, the I'm fucking fired. look at this sharpshooter. Oh, a couple of years in, he's literally a financial advisor. Admit- CPG consumer package goods. That's like all your typical consumer goods. Like think of like food items, like bars, makeup. You mm-hmm. know, like the dish detergent stuff like that. You nailed it. Wow, I had to stop you there because you were starting to speak like a venture capital guy. I was like, who is this guy?
2: Well, I, you know, I coached my hockey team to a couple of losses this weekend, so that's a big win for me. I needed that win. That, that's a huge win. <laughs> it is, it is kind of crazy, though. To, you know, that's his investing strategy. I know you have your investing strategy. You know, one thing he did say is stay away from crypto. You know, just hearing that now we're 90 episodes in, like how big was the crypto craze, the NFD craze in the first 25 episodes that we did? What a difference uh, two years can make.
1: I mean, what a difference two years can make. I think he's probably saying that is just because the volatility of yeah. it. Uh, we didn't get into like the all the inner workings and what his take on is it. But, you know, I don't know if you guys have seen Bitcoin is almost, you know, as we're recording, this is around 22K a coin right now. Been and been. Ethereum is uh, close to breaking 1600 uh, a coin right now. So that's up significantly in the last, you know, few weeks. So yeah. who
2: knows what's going on in that world? Cue the uh, David. Did you find your crypto uh, comments? In David, the, uh, go, did you find go, your crypto? Go rate, go rate five stars. Ask me. You'll get the same answer. Uh, okay. So as always, doing my due diligence, I got to be the curious Canadian. You bring up uh, whenever you bring up things in the episode to bring up in the recap. I get fired up. Usually, it's already in my notes. So we're gonna we're gonna hit a couple of those things. One, we're gonna look up the the CFA. You guys touched on it a lot. It's you know sounds like an insanely hard thing to do. Just shed some light on that for the people at home. What exactly industry is related to the CFA? Like you will be taking the CFA if you want to do what? And then what are the pass rates, um, et cetera, that go along with it? Okay. So it's a three part exam. We talked about that
1: in the interview and the fundamentals, like the things that you have to know in this exam are all things investing, all things valuation, uh, portfolio management and wealth planning, et cetera. It's an insane test. It's an insane test because it takes, if you want to get your CFA level three, that's your full certification. You have to go through three tests, right? Uh, level one, level two, level three. You can only take it once a year, like we talked about. If you fail it, you have to wait a year. So if you look at uh, in 2022, the level one, there was only a 36% pass rate for level one. So you sit for level one, you study your ass off for it, you take it, only th- 36% of people pass it and can take the level two the next year. You don't pass it, wait a year. You then wait till level two. Okay, In August 2022, there was a level two exam. Only 40% of people failed. So you you're one at 36%, you got to wait for level two. Boom. Now only 40% pass. Then level three, and there, you know, they had another sitting in August 2022 for this. Obviously, if you, you're taking level two in August 22, you can't take a, a level three, but only 48% wow. pass it. So look at that. I mean, you look at the ranges, it's an extremely tough thing to get. What do you get it for? If you're, you know, you're working in investment banking, it's a good place to get it. If you're in wealth management, if you're in any in time, any type of big analyst role, it's a good place to get. I mean, if you have your CFA pretty much under any type of financial-esque role, it is a massive designation and the toughest to get.
2: And probably worth the uh, six to seven figure job that it comes with after three years of absolutely grinding, uh, getting through that. Series seven, something that he brought up uh series seven same same question what industry is it for you're taking the series seven if you want to be a blank okay so
1: series seven like i don't okay a lot like when you when there are a lot of kids that want to be investment banking analysts and part of like you go through like a 10-week program and then you get placed as an analyst and at the end of the program you got to take your series seven and it is uh it's a finra um General securities essentially license. And so, if you don't pass it though, like he said, usually you are fired. But uh, what it does is it's a general securities representative exam. It's like a GSRE. Uh, it's administered by FINRA, which is F- FINRA, is Financial Industry Regulatory Authority. And then, like what it technically does, is it gives you, once you have that series seven, the ability to buy or sell security products. Um, it helps you can buy or sell. Options you can do direct participation programs, uh, investment in companies, and variable contracts. So you're on the investment banking side, or if you are even like any type of financial advisor, you'd have to get a Series Seven. Now, one of the things I always remember when considering financial advisor roles, usually you'd have to get a Series Seven in sixty-six at the bare minimum, or a sixty-five. But there's a lot of moving parts. Essentially, if you are working with any financial advisor, they're likely going to have their, their licenses in this space.
2: I think they have to at this point. And uh, a lot of the investment banking analysts too. If you didn't explain what some of those things meant, like FINRA, we we're going to have to have a recap to the recap, to recap the things that you talked about in that explanation. So really, really well, well done by you there. Love that. Uh, what else you got for me? I'm just, is there any other tests out there that, you know, people might be listening to to take pride in, in terms of like, Oh, I've done that. Or I've done that. Or I wonder if he's going to touch on this. I mean, there's a lot. I could, let me actually, let me throw you back in the hot seat. Let me ask you this. What's Do you know what a CPA is? Uh,
1: that's the accounting one. There you go. And we've talked about that on this show, so you nailed that. Yep. Uh, I'll go outside of the business industry, because I know we got a lot of people that listen to this that work in all areas. What is an MCAT? Uh, med school. Okay, what, so it's a. what is it, though? MCAT. Uh, yeah, a test, you, a test that you take. A, te- a test that you a, take to get into med that school. That gives you
2: a scale. Okay, you nailed that. LSAT. Oh, nice. Uh, That's the lawyer one. Uh, Lawyer version of the SAT. Now that GMAT. GMAT. GMAT's grad school. Business grad school.
1: Wow. Wow. This (laughs) guy is on fire. I'm done with the questions. David is shooting 100%. The
2: guy's on fire. All right, right, David. We'll we'll end with this. You know, you told me to bring a couple of these things up in the recap. Little do you know that I think that we've touched on them before. So this kind of theme of you putting me in the hot seat and me actually know what I'm talking about feels good right now. So I'm going to mention a couple things that um, we went through and went over and see if I'm on the right path here. So you, talk, go. You, you told me to bring up burn in the recap and we've brought up burn before. Yep. So Do you know what it is? I think so. Wow. You me, well, you just tell me if fired. I'm right or not. Burn. All right, give it a go. Burn rate is basically how much cash you go through. So it's a, basically a set amount that you know you're going to lose each month before you go negative.
1: It's it's literally like a negative cash flow. Think like burn. You're burning cash. How much negative cash flow are you burning monthly? Burn rate. You want to think about how much cash you have to go through the rate at which you're burning money. And that is like you know we've heard the word from Kyle Cook episode runway. How much runway do you have? That's the David nailed it.
2: What else you got, curious Canadian? All right, CPM. I think I know what CPM stand. I, I think I know what it means. Like the definition. I don't fully know the acronym. Okay. So CPM, what do you, well, what do you think the definition is? Let's start that. C- CPM is, uh, we hear it all the time in, um, all of our, um, influence in marketing episode. Basically it's the cost per like views or, or not like customer acquisition, but like it's the c- the going rate for cost for, um, how many views that you get on an advertisement. Yeah. I mean, you,
1: you literally nailed it. So CPM stands for cost per An M is a uh, symbol for 1,000, so cost per 1,000 CPM. And essentially, it's how much are you paying to make a thousand impressions. So, you know, maybe your goal for CPM is $5, right? So you wanna pay $5 for every 1,000 impressions. So if someone made 10,000 impressions, what would you be willing to pay? 50. If someone makes 100,000 impressions, you'd be made willing to pay 500. A million impressions, you could do the math from there, right? So that's the idea.
2: Just when we think we know what we're talking about, they throw 1,000 in for M and then the English language just is- goes to shit again. Uh, Last one I got seed investing. I'll take it from here. Uh, It has to be uh, early stage investing in like a startup company, probably something venture capitalists, VCs do. Uh, Think of an investor investing in a company, planting the seed and being the beneficiary as it grows into more money in your pocket has to be what seed investing is.
1: David, honestly, you're going to have to take over the host because you nailed it again. In the different areas of raising capital for a startup, there are pre-seed, there's seed, there's seed plus, there's series A. These are all different stages at which they are finding different sources to move the company. Right. So pre-seed is like pre-product launch before it's even there. Um, There's a very small amount of Customers, there's barely any revenue. You're not raising that m- much money in general. Like the the size of the raise is very low. Usually, friends, family, founders, accelerators, angels. There's a whole group. Then seed would be okay. You got a little revenue going. There's a little bit of evidence that the company's working. You're gonna raise more. So if you're doing seed, maybe you'll do like you know two hundred fifty thousand, five hundred thousand to two million, and then you would move up from there as the company is growing. So think about it like you're planting the seed and it's slowly sprouting. You nailed it. Those are different stages of raising money. David Arduin. you might have to become the host of this podcast. You are learning and hopefully the money mafia back home. I hope you guys are fired up by the Curious Canadian because obviously
2: he is taking in a lot. I'm very impressed. David, you got anything before we wrap it up? No, I just I just hope there's some listeners out there who have been with us since day one is like we're doing this these little games, like seeing if we know that are also like in their cars or wherever they're listening Answering the questions and then hearing the answers with a little fist pump. Just a little fist pump at the end.
1: Just a little fist pump for the kid. Before I know it, I think David is going to be investing. (laughs) VC round CPG. Let's fucking go thank you guys for tuning into another episode of trading secrets remember to give us five stars money mafia you guys are the all-time best five stars let us know what topics you want us to cover let us know what guests you want we are right around that 90th episode and let me tell you what for that 100th episode we got quite the guest caitlin bristow's coming on it's going to be pandemonium it's going to be pandemonium. david anything before you go
2: No, I hope by this time next week when we're on, the Bills are still in the uh, playoffs. So go Bills. Go Bills. We will see you next Monday, hopefully for
1: another episode of Trading Secrets, one you can't afford to miss.